Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Football show. My name is Pat Corain. Welcome to the Week Six Waiver Wire Show on a Good Football Show. I'm joined by NBC Sports Edge's John Daigle to break it all down. Daigle, how's it going? As always, here at Monday halftime. Tune in. It's an interactive show. If you jump in in time. Also, this week is the apocalypse, as there are so many injuries to sift through. Not only that, but the beginning of bye weeks as well. The Falcons, the Saints, the Jets, and the 49ers leave us with holes to fill on top of the holes we already need to stuff with new players in our lineup. So we'll try to hit on as many as we can here, but overall, the column tomorrow will be crucial because I'm going to go into a lot more depth than we have time for here. Yeah, I uh, I don't envy you having to write up the waiver column this week. This is one of the craziest weeks I can remember, not just injuries, but injuries to big-name running backs. Um, and then as well, some guys coming up that, you know, from previous injuries, things not quite breaking the way we expected to with some of these backfield committees, stuff like that. We also have wide receivers um, emerging, and I guess we should start there. Kadarius Tony is having quite – a stretch here, uh, you know, a two-week stretch where last week he looked pretty intriguing. He had a 2.23 yards per route run in week four. This week he had a 7.88 yards per route run, which is absurd, and he was targeted on half of his routes. Normally you're looking at, you know, if a guy gets targeted on 30% of his routes, that's that's really, really, really strong. You know, uh, to get targeted on half your routes is pretty wild. Seems like the first-round pick here is exceeding expectations. What are your thoughts on Kadarius Tony Diggle? And he was picked up last week in a lot of high stakes leagues, but in shower leagues, I bet he was more ignored. And that's why he's so low rostered because we weren't sure about how the injuries would shake out between Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton, who have now missed two consecutive games. But that's the point really with Kadarius Tony is that Kenny Galladay now is week to week. We know he's going to miss week six at least, but it could go beyond that since the Giants don't go on by until week 11. And even if Shepard comes back, Tony, of course, has led the team and routes run from the slot the past two games. But recall that just last year, the same coaching staff, the same OC, played Sterling Shepard for a career high in snaps from the boundary. So it doesn't really overlap if we also know we could be missing all three, but also just Galladay and Slayton this upcoming week. To your point, 
to Kyrgyz, Tony also has 22 targets to 10, the next closest individual in the past two games for the Giants. And John Ross seems like their downfield threat. Kadarius Tony has 30 more air yards than him the past two weeks as well. So no matter how you need to fill your running back spot, and we'll get to that in a second, I think Tony is the clear number one pickup if he's available on the week. Yeah, uh, I was not the biggest fan of Tony uh, at all uh, as a prospect. I do think that uh, we want to be quick on on some of this as particularly in, in the yards per route run and the targets per route run I think is a signal that we do want to pay real attention to if a guy has the ability to earn targets that's going to matter and this is a very small sample but in redraft leagues there's really no downside to getting ahead and and kind of going with the crowd here and assuming he's good the Giants are going to assume he's good now right and I think to your point they're probably going to do what they need to do to make sure he stays on the field after this, that he's not going back to the bench. So you can go ahead and assume he's good for dynasty purposes. You want to talk about, you know, maybe exiting at a high point in a couple weeks here, as long as that's a true high point, maybe we kind of want to see what happens when you get there. But even in dynasty where I do have him because he was basically free in some leagues, I think we want to uh, kind of see how this plays out at this point. And I'm, I'm in on him as a pickup. And, because of their schedule, the next four games, Rams, Panthers, Chiefs, Raiders, all favorable spots, actually. Two of those, which we expect the other offenses, three of them maybe even, to push back. So overall, I think it's a terrific short-term outlook for Darius Tony. I'm curious to see what happens when all three receivers come back, but hopefully he does enough in this stint as an interim starter to show he needs to be on the field for a Giants offense that lacks explosiveness right now. If he's available in one of these shallower leagues, I mean, if he, let's let's start with the deeper leagues. If he is out there in a higher stakes league, still, what would you be looking to spend on him there? In a in a deeper league, it'd probably be around. Here's the thing: forty percent doesn't get him right. Like, yeah, I think that gets you in the ballpark because uh, he's not a running back. I think forty percent would. Okay, uh, I would say thirty to thirty-five percent. I, I would compete with 30 to 35. That'd be just fine. Of course, remaining fabs, what we're talking about. Same for shallower leagues, the same amount. We've seen that, especially this year, you can't really go broke on a player because uh, you need to fill all these spots as everyone is injured this upcoming week with like 16 buys on the horizon as well. So overall, yeah, do not go broke. Yeah. What about in shallower leagues? Uh what would you do if he's out there? I think, I think it's very similar. Uh, I'll just still say 35 to 40. I think that's a safe number that at least gets you in the ballpark competing for him. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, in the shallower league, in some ways, I might be more willing to go you know, to that 40% number. Um, well, I don't know. Actually, maybe I'd go a bit less. But I, I think you're about right. What about some of these running backs? I mean, this was a really bad week for running back injuries. We had Saquon Barkley go down. We had... Clyde was a layer go down. Where are you at with Booker and Williams? Uh, let's start with them first. So Barkley is week to week for the Giants. And once he exited, Devontae Booker handled every single touch, even though all 19, even though Gary Brightwell was active, except Brightwell only played 16 special team snaps. Whereas Booker, like I said, handled every touch, also four carries inside the 10, three inside the five, finished second on the team in routes run, only behind Evan Ingram. We can assume Tony would have been up there had he not been ejected later in the game. But overall, like Booker was 
both the early down and pass catching running back getting every snap. When they say week to week for Barkley as well, I just I'm just curious what that entails. Like how many weeks is it going to be? I'm not as optimistic, especially, you know, I understand he got over his injury for the past two years, but I'm still not optimistic if the long-term outlook for his health is still the priority here. So even assuming we get Booker for a couple games as the starter, I think it's pretty safe in his touch floor. So I'm quite high on him. Also, the other one that we're looking for a long-term outlook really is Daryl Williams. And I will say I have Daryl Williams over Devontae Booker. Whenever CEH was injured, the Chiefs were down 31 to 13. They went down on that same possession, 31 to 13 anyways. And from that point on, Mahomes got 24 dropbacks to just two running back carries over the next quarter and a half. And it was Williams, even in that passing negative game script and that awful game that the Bills just ran him over on Sunday night in, that recorded six touches to Jarrett McKinnon's one to close the game. So I truly believe McKinnon's involvement is incorrectly going to be overhyped. And that's why I'm high on Williams. Chiefs also have the friendliest schedule bar none compared to the other backs that we're going to discuss playing against Washington, Tennessee, the Giants, Packers, Raiders, and Cowboys in their next six games, all which CEH looks like he's going to be unavailable for. So I think Williams is basically going to be the top priority this week if you're looking for a long-term option. That makes sense. Although I'm a little bit nervous about Saquon's ankle injury i mean just how much swelling there was i'm sure you guys saw the picture there of his ankle um pretty intense swelling the fact that they were seemed glad that he hadn't broken his ankle obviously but i mean there was clearly some real fear there with that injury so i could see him being out a while as well i think both these guys are pretty strong pickups but i agree with williams being the priority we've seen that role be very very valuable in the past with damian williams and, I mean, I, I don't think that McKinnon will be heavily involved. But at the same time, I think he will be the other guy there. And so if – with the Giants, part of me wonders, do they bring someone else in, right? Is someone active on game day that wasn't active this week? There are any concerns there? Because I actually am not as concerned about that with the Chiefs, but that could be wrong. I don't think so. I don't know who else they would go get, like whatever veteran is out there, unless they – traded for a Ravens washed up veteran or got David Johnson. Other than that, it's not really something I think about, especially since they gave Devontae Booker so much money in free agency. I think they'd be just comfortable rolling with him, honestly. What about some of these other situations? I mean, Khalil Herbert, way more involved than we thought he was going to be. Chris Evans, um, somewhat interesting here with Joe Mixon not being as, as involved as a pass catcher last week. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson, although Damian Williams seems like he avoided a worst case scenario. He could certainly be involved a bit more going forward. Any other guys? And, and what are your thoughts on those guys? Herbert is interesting because it's already hard to roster anyone on an uncreative offense like the Bears, but to still have 18 carries to Damian Williams 16, even though Williams did run three more routes, 10 to Herbert seven, and was intently put, put back on the field, at least in the first half, to get carries inside the 10-yard line over Herbert, whereas Herbert still was in later in the game. And we can't really consider it a blowout since it was 14 to three, but I guess since Raiders offense, 11 points is as close to a blowout. Like they just can't catch up from that. So I don't know. I'm, I'm still wondering about it too. I'm pretty sure you are safe. I'm very confident saying you're safe in Damian Williams, no matter what. Um, I do think Herbert is going to hover around though with double digit touches, which is more than we thought initially. 
So I also still think he's a good pickup, especially because, as we talked about last week, Bears don't go and buy until week 10. We are expecting David Montgomery to not return until week 11. So another option, at least for the next month. Beyond Herbert, though, let's talk about two more. Chris Evans has got interesting because when asked whether Samaj Piran, who tested positive for COVID on Monday, will return to the team, Zach Taylor responded, he'll return whenever Piran has two negative tests, which obviously tells us nothing. It's just a mandate for any player, whether they're vaccinated or not, to have two negative tests before returning. So we don't know if Piran's going to be out two days or 10 days. And with the Lions on deck for week six, the easiest matchup for fantasy, that makes Evans interesting since Pirine did out-touch Joe Mixon 15-11 and ran 26 routes as the pass catching back to Mixon's nine. I don't think that last category sticks. I think it was because Mixon was injured, but it's so hard for either to get targets in this offense since the, it's a more of a condensed target tree with the three big receivers at the top that I don't really even want to factor in the, the pass catching work for the running backs to make this decision. I will just say, Piran is worth picking up anyhow, just in case he's cleared in the next two days since he did out-touch Mixon, and we don't know how Mixon's healing is going to go over the course of this week. I would like to see at least one full practice before having confidence in him again as a low-end RB1, high-end RB2. Otherwise, we should expect a timeshare, and I'm fine with Piran as an RB2 and a timeshare with Mixon, especially against the Lions. But, as we mentioned earlier, and this is the part about week six there are lots of caveats to deal with here which is why the column's going to take forever chris evans also an amazing pickup 99th percentile spark athlete if p runs out i would just assume he takes on p Ryan's role and we saw even on sunday and playing just seven snaps he ran around on six of them uh didn't wasn't asked to pass block once and so if he's going to take on p Ryan's role if the latter's out that's something also we should be interested in so you're going to be trying to pick up both especially because the Bengals beyond the lines even get the Ravens, Jets, and Browns before they hit their bye. I agree. I think both are interesting. I think with Evans, you want to keep it in the range where you can move on from him without feeling like you really burned a lot of your remaining fab budget. So Absolutely. I, I think definitely in a different tier, maybe another, maybe two tiers down from the other guys because um, you want to be able to kind of churn that spot back out. But um, Herbert, I think, you know, Maybe a, what do you think about a comp to like Jamal Williams, kind of a similar type of back going forward here? Obviously, there's an expiration date on that when Montgomery gets back, but for the, the time being, kind of a, a Jamal Williams and maybe not even a poor man's Jamal Williams. Absolutely. Uh, the same reason we picked up Damon Williams, even though we, we figured he was going to have the pass role and he essentially did for all the reasons I listed before, uh, that production and usage we are still expecting to last longer, like you said, than either Chris Evans or Samaj Pirine, since that usage we think is a ticking time bomb waiting for Joe Mixon to get fully healthy, and then it suddenly disappears. And then if, if that's not the case, by the way, then we have to worry about Joe Mixon. That's a whole other discussion to get to. But overall, yes, uh, when you're looking at long-term options compared to short-term, it, as always, it's about looking at your roster, looking at the team needs of other rosters. And if you can get away with like cheap Chris Evans, just because you have Alan Kamara or someone on by who you have to replace only for one week, those are the kind of guys you're going after for one week of production. You're not trying to get into war for all these guys like Daryl Williams. Mm -hmm. who are going to be going much higher because they are going to last longer, presumably barring an injury as the starter. Some interesting uh, comments here. Herbert is the comp, or Herbert comps is, is Trey Sermon. I do uh, not agree with that. I think Trey Sermon is in a different category. And then also, Herbert is more than a fullback, so I disagree. 
<laughs> another question, Herbert or Elijah Mitchell. So it's very uh, opinions all over the place here in the comments on on where to value Herbert. I think kind of in between those two is is probably the right answer. Yeah, and by the way, uh, Elijah Mitchell also just to handle eleven touches. Trey Sermon got one. Trey Sermon only played two snaps this past week, but both on by. And so maybe you have zero RB teams out there where you were depending on Mitchell, and now you just lost him anyhow. So again, you're looking to replace. And Herbert would do that, but there are other cheaper options, like the other running back we'll talk about before we move on is Ramondre Stevenson, because Stevenson handled 11 carries on 22 snaps in the same exact role as Damian Harris, who got injured later in the game, as both combined for seven routes and zero targets to Brandon Bolden's 19 routes as the team's pass catching back. So just like Harris's outlook coming into the year and through the first five games, I think Stevenson's role on third down if we even, if anyone even discusses it, it's more of a pipe dream. But if we're looking at a short-term body, depending on Damian Harris's injury, we don't know just yet. We're still waiting it out. The Patriots' schedule over the next two games, Cowboys and Jets, is at least a friendly one. And so although the Cowboys actually maybe even entails a better outlook for Bolden as the pass catching back, uh, Stevenson, though, still will get carries if Harris is out in that game. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because. I got the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? Uh, hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. I would also say, as someone who is very much in the tank for Ramondre Stevenson, Brandon Bolden is not very good. He's a career special teams player. Uh, he's clearly, I think, sort of the, the last resort option kind of putting a Band-Aid on that James White role right now, there's a chance that someone else takes that role. I, I wouldn't even say, I mean, obviously J.J. Taylor failed miserably, had a back-breaking fumble. I don't think we'll see him anytime soon, but I don't think Bolden has a lock on that role. Like, you know, give it another two, three weeks, could be someone else that's at least possible. So I guess it's a pipe dream that I'm sort of willing to continue to, to believe a little bit for Stevenson, although I think you do need to, to consider him more, like you said, uh, of your hoping he can kind of mix in this week on early downs. And I would vehemently disagree, but after I saw AJ Dillon in a pass catching role, I give up on disagreeing with him. <laughs> I don't, I don't believe in anything anymore. Yeah, it, it it's a little hard to predict some of this stuff. Uh, Alex Collins available in a lot of waiver wires. Um, he's going to be in the column, but I actually don't think it's a priority since we're talking about the starting running back in a structurally terrible offense that was only good because it was relying on Russell Wilson's efficiency mm -hmm. and it just doesn't run the same if at all while Wilson is sidelined for the next two months so not really a priority yep um thank you Matthew Foley for allowing me to tout Stevenson he was second in the the rookie class in yards per hour run he's big but he 
moves like a smaller back. He's not uh, he's not necessarily just a, a big power back. So he could be. He might not be impressing though. Uh, certainly the signs out of Patriots, you know, practices and and the role since White went down aren't actually that bullish for him as a pass catcher. But it's it's certainly possible based on his college profile. Any other um, deep cuts that we should be thinking about? Always deep cuts, especially with injuries. Uh, you should take your shots on Nicole Horman and Demarcus Robinson wherever applicable. Maybe even Byron Pingan if you're in a deeper league since we're unsure about Tyreek Hill's status with that knee injury. Also, if we're expecting Travis Kelsey to be uh, banged up and perhaps looking at a questionable tag, you should take a shot on Jody Fortson too in tight end premium leagues. That would be the option over Noah Gray since they have had confidence in Fortson since he basically beat out Gray in the preseason as a proven, reliable th- receiving threat in the red zone inside the 10-yard line. Amon Ross St. Brown for the Lions recorded a season high and route rate on Jared Goff's drop back Sunday in what was his lowest slot percentage of the year. Tyra Williams is eligible to return this week, but we don't know if he'll be cleared or even impactful if active in a friendly up-tempo matchup against Cincinnati. So I like taking shots on him for low fab. Dan Arnold ran the second most routes for the Jaguars. We asked what Urban Meyer was going to do without DJ Shark. He just threw Jamal Agnew and Dan Arnold out there instead as those two actually yeah. tied for the team lead with eight targets. And so as comical as that is, Trevor Lawrence still playing better the last three games, also has a rushing juice now in his game, and we will never expect the Jaguars to be in a competitive game. They will always be playing from behind, which makes their trash our treasure in Dan Arnold because he's going to be out there catching passes. So I'm actually – fairly confident in him as a Kyle Pitts replacement. And that's who we're really looking to replace on waiver wires this week. Also, if you can't get there, another option one week after playing a career high, 93% of Washington snaps in place of Logan Thomas. Here comes Ricky Seals Jones, who was in on 82 of 83 snaps and ran just two fewer routes than Terry McLaurin while soaking up a hundred percent of the team's end zone targets literally used as Logan Thomas without Logan Thomas. So, even if you have Thomas on your, you roster him, I generally don't mind just like dropping whomever you have before, maybe even dropping someone like Robert Tanyan and just getting Ricky Seals-Jones. And that way it's just a one-for-one replacement all the time. You will always have Washington starting tight end, especially with Ryan Fitzpatrick apparently getting ready to come back in week seven. So let's be ahead of that. And then before you get into your deep cuts, if you have any, I always like to get a little extra deep. And uh, I will say Anthony Miller... <laughs> passed on signing with Jacksonville's practice squad because he was offered a deal to join Pittsburgh's active roster in place of Juju Smith-Schuster, who's out for the year. And most recently, in being unavailable for Houston's first two games, remember, Miller jumped right in in week three and earned a 20-plus percent target share in consecutive games before he was just cut to make room for Danny Amendola because anytime you can make room for Danny Amendola... It it wasn't even to make room for him because he was already on the roster. So... He he burned some bridges there. I think is what happened. That's that's fair, but he's been talented wherever he's wherever he's played, he's and talented. they have to have him for shallow eight routes because that's all they can do. So I don't think he's like the worst pickup. Like I saw a lot of people picking up CG Ozoma uh, last week. So anything is on the table. Yes, that's that's quite true. I agree with your Dan Arnold take. Um, Jacob Hollister caught a touchdown last week, which yeah, you know. That's not to say that Arnold's going to necessarily get the touchdowns, but it's just a reminder that this team really has been, and it's a new system, it's a new head coach in the NFL. We're seeing them utilize the tight end heavily, and so I think that really helps 
uh, Dan Arnold, he ran 95, 96% of his snaps were in the slot this past week. I mean, it's, uh, it's definitely, definitely bullish. So, um, actually, sorry, that that's from week three. He was at, uh, 88%, uh, routes run this week and only 50% of his snaps in the slot in Jacksonville. So apologize for the misinformation, <laughs> but, uh, plus, uh, and, and you know, I, I think I actually have more confidence in Dan Arnold than LaVisca. Like, how, how do we even trust LaVisca? You know, it takes him to the second half to get on the board. And even then, it's because they're trailing by three scores. Right. And and so they move him to the outside. So so let me just say with Arnold, actually, it's better than the, than the slot snaps point because he had his first week there, 2.64 yards per out run. His second week in Jacksonville, 2.13 yards per out run, 2.27 overall. So he's getting targeted heavily and he's producing. Um, so, but yeah, with... with uh, Chenault's role, the hope was he would move out to, he would be in two wide receiver sets when they were in two wide receiver sets, but then move back into the slot for three and four wide receiver sets. And instead, we're seeing Jamal Agnew out there. So that's not ideal. Do you have any interest in Agnew? I mean, it's not a particularly valuable role, and he hasn't been great. He has a 1.48 yards per hour on the year. But I, you know, I guess in some like deeper dynasty type stuff, or how deep would it have to be for, for you to pick this guy up? Oh, in that case, in Dynasty, sure, I don't mind it. But uh, and also, he's shown his explosive chops—not really a receiver, but kind of like how when teams throw at Trevon Diggs, and like he just sucks the ball up almost because he was a receiver. He knows how to track and catch at the point of throws. Um, it's the same way for Jamal Agnew. Like if you get the ball in his hands, like the dude is an explosive special teams kick returner. He's already had an 100-yard interception return for a touchdown and a hundred yard kick return for a touchdown this year. So getting him the ball underneath really isn't like the craziest thing the Jaguars have done. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Don't get me wrong. But if we're (laughs) ranking the Jaguars oddities, like that's not the weirdest thing to do. So in dynasty leagues and very, very deep leagues, like 14 teamers, 14 teamers, I think that's just fine. What about uh, Njoku? If he's out there at all, I mean, he just had an amazing game. Austin Hooper, very, very quiet. Where are you at on him uh, if he's out there? The only issue is uh, his snaps didn't change. Very similar to what he normally did. Um, Outsnapped by Austin Hooper. Did run more routes, just three more than Austin Hooper. But even so, like for 21 routes for Joku, 18 for Hooper, and still 10 for Harrison Bryant, like genuinely nothing changed behind the scenes. Um, Just seemed like that was their game plan to go to tight ends more and use their running backs more. So I, I don't think I'm really chasing it at all. I'm chasing it a little bit just because he's getting targets when he's out there. And you hope with some of these tight ends that, you know, they, they start to run more routes once they show the ability to earn targets. But well, the, the issue also is like Beckham's out there. Like, yeah, I mean, the game combined for 89 points over a thousand yards between both teams and Beckham had a 9% target share for two catches in 20 yards. The issue is like his air yards are just empty. Um, th- Like they don't matter at all. Baker has the highest incompletion rate or, inaccurate rate on throws 20 plus yards down downfield 63 percent of his throws so those are air yards that just aren't going to be solved uh we can cite them or prayer yards that aren't going to be solved uh we can cite them all they want all we want but it just doesn't matter especially since he continues playing so bad so like i don't, I don't know if there's really in tiny and premium leagues i can definitely see it and you would obviously chase the talent or the explosiveness of njoku over austin hooper is basically just a four floor play but overall, still, yeah, I don't think I'm really going to get there. 
Let's uh, let's wrap up with Jarek McKinnon, who it sounds like you're not very enthusiastic about, but I'm sure people have questions about you know exactly what because you you want to pick him up. I'm sure he's not the type of guy that should be hanging out on waivers just because we're not 100% sure how this is going to work out now. So what kind of bids would you be putting him in? Like at what point would you be okay leaving him out? You know, if you don't have that many bench spots or who are some of the guys you would be like looking to keep over him? The thing is, I think he's going to go for much more than uh, I would be comfortable with. And so that's why I probably won't get him at all. We saw last year, he handled only one game as the team workers for 49ers. And then his knees just gave out. Like he Mm -hmm. just, he's just never healthy. He can't, he literally can't stay. It's not even health actually, because he doesn't really get injured. He didn't get injured last year. It was just a literally a matter. He gets tired. Um, he's not the kind of back you trust for that usage. And just as I mentioned earlier, and Daryl Williams being in on passing downs as well, I think it's going to be more of a uh, 70-30 split. And so just like you would pick up Jake Funk, just like I roster Jamar Jefferson and Anthony McFarlane, like there's never a running back off limits, especially right. in deeper leagues and high stakes leagues because they're so coveted. And getting ahead of the times we have to spend like on Devontae Booker, like the 140, 200 fab, whatever he's going to go for, is so much more strategical and, and important than you know trying to sort out everything else and trying to get into those bidding wars only one week later. That's why we jostled the end of our rosters and what everyone should do. But overall, like, yeah, I, I just don't see an outcome where he ever usurps Daryl Williams for for whatever we think of Williams. Like, I understand he's not as fast, as spry, as explosive as CEH. Uh, he also runs more like a fullback, but that we've seen that they trust him inside the five-yard line and they trust him on passing downs as their best pass blocker as well in the backfield. So I think McKinnon will see like a, I don't know, two to four targets, but overall I am significantly more down than anyone else. Yeah, I would think of him maybe like Royce Freeman, you know, when he went right after the injury to CMC and a little bit more bullish on him because CEH might be out a bit longer than CMC potentially. So, but that's kind of the range uh, that, or like the type, the archetype of player um, or pickup that we're, we're thinking through. At least that that's how he strikes me. Kind of maybe I'd go a little bit more than I would on Royce Freeman. And if you have those shuffable running backs at the end of your roster, like Royce Freeman, let's say, um, I think this is the week you can get rid of Royce Freeman to continue shuffling. Uh, apparently the Panthers, they cut Rodney Smith from their practice squad, which means they're not going to call him back up this week, which I think is also a pretty good sign. CMC is coming back Sunday. So mm-hmm. he's someone I consider expendable. If you are trying to shuffle some more of these running backs at the end of your lineup. Agreed. Yeah. I think it's, it's time to, to churn out Freeman and pick up a guy like McKinnon. Absolutely. But same level as I treat McKinnon. I think Jarrett Patterson also Mm. as Gibson's leg has been called a ticking time bomb with that fractured shin. I think you're also trying to roster Jarrett Patterson again, deeper leagues trying to be ahead of the pack. I like that. And in some ways, maybe he's more interesting than McKinnon, depending on what type of situation your roster's in. If you're feeling pretty good about the next few weeks and you want someone who might emerge down the stretch, help you in the fantasy playoffs. I think Patterson is an interesting name there because, like you said, I mean, we could we could see Gibson get shut down at some point, and then Patterson would become quite valuable. Mm-hmm. Jaden McKissick is not going to be a three-down workhorse. They're going to be yep. mixing in someone else. So uh, I like that call a lot. Any Anyone else we should touch on before we go? Unless you have any deep cuts, that's about it. Tune into the column because it'll all be explained there. Yep, make sure you check out Daigle's column, and make sure you uh, jump back in with us next week. As as Dago mentioned, this is an interactive show, so hop in with us. We go live every halftime of Monday Night Football. 
We'll be back here next week. Anytime you can pick up the comments to talk about Ramondre Stevenson, you got to do it. <laughs> if you, I will talk about Ramondre Stevenson if you put him in the in the chat. I promise you that. Uh, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.